Shared parenting does make it easy. I'm your host, Chris Batchelor, and this is the Parent Time Podcast. Parent Time Podcast is presented by National Parents Organization, a national nonprofit who is working hard to bring shared parenting nationwide. Hi, everyone. I'm Chris with National Parents Organization, and today I'm here uh, with Christian Posh, who's uh, from the National Parents Organization of Virginia, and we also have uh, Makia Little, who is from the Phoenix Foundation, is a nonprofit uh, organization uh, that uh, provides uh, domestic violence uh, survivors uh, services in the Northern Virginia area. Uh, so, Christian and Makia, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So, Christian, we wanted to bring you on a little bit because uh, you're now on the board uh, for the Phoenix Foundation, as I understand. And uh, we want to talk a little bit specifically um, around what it's like to work with a uh, domestic violence group, because oftentimes when we're advocating for shared parenting, uh, domestic violence groups will will sometimes um, advocate against a shared parenting bill. And so we want to talk about that. But before we get into that, Makia, I want to get uh, uh, your perspective here a little bit. Um, you're in Northern Virginia and you started this Phoenix Foundation, um, you know, nonprofit and you're getting it off the ground. Tell us a little bit about, you know, sort of what brought you into the into the circuit here uh, for a nonprofit uh, organization. Absolutely. And, and uh, thank you again for allowing us to, to share kind of our journey um, on your platform. The Phoenix Foundation was essentially established because of, um, yes, my personal journey, but as I've uh, become an advocate of um, survivorship awareness training for other survivors, recognizing that the resources that we have throughout the, the Northern Virginia region and the state are a little disjointed. There's a lot of uh, miseducation and misunderstanding around the topic of domestic violence because it is that taboo, touchy subject that very few want to talk about. But it's such a prominent issue wherein that 30% of Virginia's homicides are domestic violence related. And so the generational cycles of domestic violence can't even be addressed if we can't talk about it, provide resources to prevent it, and provide uh, resources and avenues for victims to escape. Yeah, certainly a super important topic and, and one that has, uh, you know, such a tremendous impact on, on those involved with it. Um, you know, and, and your foundation specifically provides a lot of training resources. Um, and then we were talking before we got on the call here, uh, before we started recording about wraparound services, which, you know, are things that, uh, you know, that survivors need, you know, after sort of after the fact. Tell us a little bit more about that. What sort of training uh, do you provide? And tell us a little bit about the wraparound services. Thank you. So as we're starting to get off the ground, um, what we're also focused on doing is not reinventing the wheel, right? So there are a lot of great organizations within our community who are providing certain services. How might we partner, bridge those together so that we're not um, duplicating resources, duplicating programs, and also making sure that our community has a one-stop shop to get whatever resources they need. Um, in my own healing journey, it, it, it was a bit of an awakening to recognize that as much as I was a victim, I was also very privileged. And as much that, you know, English is my native and first language, I had my own private mode of transportation. Uh, my, my home was in my name, in my name only. And so I, I, you know, I, had, I had leave 
a job with paid leave where I could take off in the middle of the day and, and you know, collect this uh, legal document from a courthouse and go to the records center on the other side of town. If I had one less of those privileges, how much harder would this be? And so helping survivors navigate how to transition from I want to leave to I've left and I'm thriving is really our, our goal and mission. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people who aren't involved with uh, these sorts of things or aren't, aren't close to somebody that has experienced this, they really don't understand um, a lot. Of, there's a lot of times there's barriers, right, to somebody leaving a situation like this. And there's there's barriers to moving on uh, and moving forward. And so it's great that you're able to uh, at least, uh, you know, e either provide those services or, or point people in the right direction. Um, and I understand you and, and Christian met um, uh, originally when you were advocating for some laws uh, in Virginia. Tell us a little bit about that. Are you active uh, in the legislative section se uh, session? Absolutely. So, yes, uh, we were both advocating for bills uh, in the 2022 session. Um, and at that point, it was HB 1351. Um, and it was uh, named Makia's Law by Delegate Kate Corey, who was one of the uh, chief co-patrons. It was chief patroned by Nadarius Clark. And what that bill would have done was removed a one-year waiting period that survivors of domestic violence have to wait to be granted a full divorce in Virginia, which very few people even know is the law. You know, if your spouse uh, cheats on you, you can get an immediate divorce once you prove that. But once you prove domestic violence, you actually have to wait a full year so that person is still tied to you legally, even though you don't have to physically stay with them. Um, but what that legal tether does is it impacts your finances. Um, think of the, the, the fact that most survivors of domestic violence are not the breadwinners in their family. And so if you try to even apply for public assistance, you have to go based on your tax return. And if you filed married, your income looks a lot higher than it actually is now that you're trying to separate from your spouse, yeah. but you're still legally married. And so the financial implications of that, uh, job training, childcare, um, all of these things um, are, are attached to that one year waiting period. And so... Um, that law is is crucial to saving lives. And, and what's the status of it now? Did it pass or where, what's the, the current status? So we put it forward again after it was killed in subcommittee in 2022. Uh, this legislative session, it became HB 1720 or 30. I can't remember. But once again, um, lawyers who felt it would negatively impact their billables uh, killed it in subcommittee. So I, I see we have a, a common bond here with uh, some shared parenting legislation is uh, the attorneys uh, concerned about their billable hours. It's, uh, it's amazing how the world works, isn't it? Absolutely. And one of the things that, you know, I wove into the remarks is this, the fact that they are literally monetizing our pain. And uh, I'm actually seeking legislative office running for Virginia House of Delegates to represent the newly drawn 19th district to be the change I want to see. Well, that'd be exciting. And we certainly wish you luck there. Um, 
And uh, I, I'm, I'm sure if you're actually in the legislature, there's a lot more that you can do than, than just advocating from the outside. So that's fantastic. And um, I, so is the bill killed for, for this year or is there a chance that it'll come back? It's killed for this year. However, because I knew um, it was going to be perceived as partisan, I decided to speak the language of Republicans and make it about money. <laughs> and so I think once I put it in their love language, um, there was one delegate who was able to see the merit of the bill. Mm -hmm. And we were actually able to have a really productive conversation a couple days later, where I think we may have found a compromise that will protect survivors of domestic violence, um, but still not allow those who are just seeking power and to leverage the law in an abusive way, um, from doing so. Well, that's fantastic. And, uh, so Christian, tell me a little bit, um, about, uh, you know, in Virginia, we've had, uh, you know, you've, you've had some great luck with the cadet act at the federal level. Um, is there anything going on at the state level for shared parenting right now? Um, so, so one thing I want to mention here right up front, I didn't realize this connection was there either, but, uh, so in 2018, we passed our bill that um, was a small change, right? And it's it's on the NPO's website. Um, but that just made it a, a requirement for the courts to consider joint or shared custody on par with sole custody, whereas before it was kind of an afterthought. Uh, I mentioned that because that year, that was actually House Bill 1351. So I think it's coincidental that uh, that was McKee's bill last year where, where we connected, obviously, uh, during the 2022 session. Um, uh, so we submitted a bill again this year. Uh, it's the same bill that we've submitted in, in the last, the previous three years. Uh, it's a good bill. Uh, it, uh, I know we're always at risk of falling in love with our own baby and we think it's perfect and we don't want to change it, but, um, we're always open to change, but, um, you know, we, we've consulted with, um, various, uh, say domestic violence, uh, prevention, advocacy groups in Virginia. Uh, one of them is, I'm going to butcher their acronym, SDVAA, the, the Action Alliance, as it's known, uh, Sexual and Domestic Violence Action Alliance. Uh, we met with them about two hours, uh, about two years ago, a year and a half ago, and, and incorporated their preferred language into our bill. So I think it's always ironic when, when uh, they testify against our bill and say that the language doesn't work for them when it's actually their language. Um, so we... We have a bill that we think encompasses all the, the concerns from the disparate groups. Um, and uh, what we came across the last three years was there's always uh, one delegate that, that wanted to lay the bill on the table and it would be laid on the table and then it would be it would just be left there and it would die in subcommittee. This year, we were able to build um, a broader coalition, right? And we had uh, a couple co-patrons sign on who were members of this subcommittee that would, would vote on it. Uh, we had um, a Democrat sign on to the bill as co-patron, uh, Delegate Clark that uh, Makia mentioned. Um, and I think you know, he's someone, obviously, that that sees the merits of both of these efforts and, and the similarities that they have. And um, we you know, got, I won't name names, but we got comments from some of the subcommittee members on both sides that said uh, essentially that we think that or they think that the Family Law Coalition, who typically opposes this, has has run out of runway, right? That their arguments against this have not really changed, and and they don't really hold water anymore. And so we were very excited to come through subcommittee 
Uh, first of all, the, the the motion to lay the bill on the table was defeated by a six to two vote. Um, and then it came out of subcommittee by that same six to two vote. Uh, unfortunately, about four days later, when it came up in front of the full committee, um, our bill died by one vote. And uh, two of the yes votes we had in subcommittee changed to no votes. Um, obviously, it would have been great to keep at least one of them and it would have passed, uh, but it it did not. And so, you know, as we understand um, that the, the some of the biggest opposition came from the domestic violence uh, prevention advocacy community. And so we, uh, we've got some work to do to, to reach out even more to different groups in that space to, to really um, articulate the message that, that what we're trying to do is not so different from, from what, what, what they're trying to do uh, and what they support. Um, and I, I think we have some work left to do also uh, with, with the Regina Poverty Law Center. Um, you know, we were disappointed to see um, one of their main arguments is that this was a father's rights bill or a men's rights bill. Um, again, the irony in that is that most of our chapter membership in Virginia is women. So I always chuckle at that a little bit, um, uh, that we're, we're not that. And um, we want to have a conversation with them to say, that, look, we're, we're again, we're not that. In fact, I frankly denied membership to some individuals who are uh, ardent father's rights advocates. Um, and this 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 effort and this philosophy is just not for them. So um, I think the more we have those kind of conversations, the the better off we'll be. And so, you know, we're going to come back next year um, and uh, and go from there and uh, and see what we can do. Okay, I want to dive, uh, you know, into the mechanics of groups working together. Um, you know, when when Christian, um, you know, approach you about this, I mean, what sort of advice do you have, or you know, uh, perspective do you have for um, you know, organizations around the country that want to work with a domestic violence group uh, for shared parenting law? Um, so another area of overlap, which, you know, Christian just kind of touched on is the um, misconception that domestic violence is a women's issue and shared parenting, you know, is, is pro-men. Um, there are survivors and victims of domestic violence of every gender, sexual orientation, race, class, it does not discriminate. And likewise, parenting and the desire to be present and active in your child's life is also not an exclusive issue for men or women um, or one race or another. And so um, everyone knows that diverse teams work better because you can consider other perspectives. And so there are some sensitivities that I've learned as a survivor that I can actually help inform uh, a co-parenting or parent rights uh, bill. And as a man, Christian can also inform some of my language to ensure that I am not, uh, or we are not as an organization, making this a male-female issue. And so we've been intentional about the directors and the members that we've brought into or in the organization, as well as our advisors to make sure that as we advocate for legislation, once we get to that part of, of our process, uh, as we develop programs and resources that we're being absolutely as inclusive as possible, every perspective and every experience. Well, that's awesome. And do you have any tips for, you know, sort of breaking the ice? Because I know a lot of times uh, I've talked to people and they say, well, they just they just won't talk to us. 
Um, so how, how do you sort of break the ice, uh, and, you know, with a, when a, with a shared parenting organization, um, you know, opening that dialogue up with a domestic violence organization? Well, wine is my love language, but, <laughs> <laughs> but what I would say is just, it's, it's really going to be an individual, um, topic, you know, everyone has their triggers and everyone is a product of their own lived experience. Uh, as a certified diversity, equity, inclusion practitioner, I like to think that I and anything that I'm a part of is very inclusive and open to at least having a conversation, but that may not be everyone. There may be some hypersensitivities based on that person's individual trauma. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's where we have decided as an organization that we will be a bridge um, that we will intentionally seek out partnerships and not just wait for um, someone to approach us. And that's, you know, an organizational decision, not necessarily something you can force on others. So it's really finding partnerships where partnerships are available. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm going to bring up your uh, Teams page here on your website because I just want to show uh, everybody at home here. Um, I mean, you do have such a diverse uh, group of folks here on your team, uh, and and they're from all different backgrounds, and and uh, also connected with lots of different organizations. So that that really brings um, you know a lot of power, I think, to your organization to be able to reach across you know different areas and and sort of bridge those gaps when it comes to uh, working with other groups and and getting others' uh, perspectives. And even vocationally, you know, what does a, a domestic violence or a parenting rights um, situation look like in the military? Mm -hmm. Especially when both the abuser and the victim are members of the military. You know, we have a member on our board, uh, Operation Revive, that is that is her lane. Uh, what happens when you're a child experiencing domestic violence in your home? One of our board members is is a child a survivor. His mother was killed. Uh, because of a domestic violence situation. So how do you provide support for the youth that are dealing with that? You know, they themselves may not have been the subjects of the abuse, but the experience and the witnessing of it, how do we create wraparound services to support them? So those are the perspectives um, that we, we like to bridge. Yeah, it's certainly important to have all those perspectives. So to put it in short, if a, if a shared parenting organization wants to reach out and, and bring other organizations in the fold, it really it sounds like it just comes down to, uh, to finding a, an individual within that organization that's open to listen. Absolutely. Christian, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think um, you just got to keep knocking on the door, right? And look, there, there's a balance, right? Um, we often joke it's it's almost like like dating right if you ask a girl out once twice three by the third time if she's not picking up the phone she's just not into you right yeah. and that's okay right just accept that and then and then you know wait or but um so continue knocking on the door doesn't mean you just keep going door after door after door give it a year give it six months right try a different organization uh, try to make inroads uh, elsewhere in other ways right or on an individual basis, right? Or just go, you know, find a, a support group in the area that you can go just just listen to if they'll let you, right? Don't make a shared parenting pitch. Just go listen. And event ultimately, people say like, "Who are you? What are you doing here? Right? Why are you here?" <laughs> uh, and then you just say, "Hey, I'm I'm here to listen." And uh, my, you know, personally, personally, you might identify with what they're saying. Um, you know, I, I do think there's a lot of overlap. I'm not trying to say that that the experiences are identical for people who go through a child custody dispute. 
um, versus someone who goes through a domestic violence situation. Um, but I do think both uh, are trauma and they are traumatic and impactful in different ways. Um, sometimes physical, sometimes sexual, sometimes psychological, sometimes financial, sometimes all the above. And it's not a competition, right? Um, if someone experiences that trauma, then there, there is, there's scar tissue there. And, um, I think if we can find a way to build bridges out of that scar tissue instead of walls, then I think we're all better off. And I think that goes back to something Makia said earlier about, about privilege, right? That, um, if, if we have a certain privilege or a certain power in our place in life, then we have a responsibility to make things better as much as we can. Um, and yes, that is a veiled Spider-Man reference, but it's very true um, that with that great power comes great responsibility. And and um, you have to do as much as you can in, in your own sphere. Um, you know, something we say in, in, in the Virginia chapter of NPO all the time is that we, we do this work because others can't and children need it. And that's it. We don't do this for our own cases, right? Uh, I, I would venture to say Makia is not doing this work just for her own experience, right? It, it, maybe that provides some motivation, but she's doing this for other people and and for other communities and and her own community. And so, um, I think that that's pretty powerful and, and that matters. Um, Another forward. thing I will add um, to your to the heart of your question. And this is this isn't exclusive to just you know a parenting organization and a domestic violence organization, really any organization. It's just to look for those areas of shared mission um, where our missions overlap, um, and I think where um, our mission really the heart of it overlaps is what is in the best interest of children, um, and the educational component of coaching a survivor through what they've been through and making sure they have what they need to move forward and thrive may not, um, you know, prepare that relationship or, or any of that, but make sure that their child doesn't re doesn't continue that cycle. And that's what we're trying to stop the continuation of abuse in the next generation. And, and I think that's where um, MPO definitely wants to make sure that we're operating with the best interests of the future generations in mind. Yeah, certainly uh, shared missions or shared needs by the community that you serve is, is a really powerful way to connect a group or, or two groups uh, for that matter. And, uh, I, you know, like you mentioned before, there is, there is definitely a lot of overlap in needs um, and missions, quite frankly, between, you know, shared parenting and, and domestic violence. So that's good to see. You know, this interse interse intersection, excuse me, between uh, our two communities is, is key. And I'm, I'm excited about this this opportunity to to work with the Phoenix Foundation and, and, and do some good work there. Uh, Makia? Um, I'll just drop a shameless plug that we are planning on having our very first uh, fundraiser and uh, Survivors Hero Awards program on May 7th. Um, which is a significant date, but we'll explain that later. But um, so save the date for the uh, first annual um, Phoenix Foundation brunch. Awesome. And uh, Micaiah, uh, remind us again, how can we get in touch with the organization? You're on the web and uh, are you on social media? We are. And all of our social media handles are the foundation, but the foundation is spelled with a PH. So 
T-H-E-P-H-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N.org. And then um, the foundation on all our handles. And we'll, uh, we'll drop all that in the uh, notes section here of the video. So uh, thank you both for coming on and uh, look forward to hearing about good things from both of you. And uh, again, thanks for your time today and uh, for talking to us about your mission. Thanks again for yours. Perfect. Thank you. Now, that was recorded on video, so if you want to go ahead and watch the video, you can find the link in the show notes. It's on YouTube. And if you have any questions, you can contact National Parents Organization at sharedparenting.org. Don't forget to like National Parents Organization on social media. Just go ahead and do a Facebook search for National Parents Organization and smash the like button. You're also going to find several Facebook pages for different state chapters, so go ahead and like those pages as well. And don't forget, you can also follow National Parents Organization on Twitter or LinkedIn. The links to those social media sites are on the sharedparenting.org website. If you're passionate about shared parenting, the best thing you can do is get involved. And the best way to do that is by contacting your state chapter. If you head over to the sharedparenting.org website, you can find the links to your state chapter and then contact them directly to take action and volunteer. We could also use your help with donations. National Parents Organization is a nationally recognized nonprofit registered in Massachusetts. To donate, visit sharedparenting.org and click the Take Action and then Donate. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Tell us what you think on social media or by going to the sharedparenting.org website and sending us a message. Fill out that contact form and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear about what you think about the show or what you want to hear on the show, that sorts of thing. So go ahead and, and send us a message. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Chris Batchelor. Thanks for listening, and together we can help bring shared parenting nationwide. Stop.